Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content at Open Banking Expo, and in this episode, I'm joined by Janine Hurt, CEO of Innovate Finance, uh, which is an industry body representing the global fintech community in the UK. Now, Janine took over as Chief Executive earlier this year, succeeding Charlotte Crosswell. Janine was also part of the judging panel for this year's Open Banking Expo Awards. Uh, So it's great to have you with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ellie, so much for having me here. Not at all. Well, let's um, let's launch straight in with uh, my first question. Some people listening to this podcast might not be too familiar with Innovate Finance, so perhaps you can com- explain, you know, what is the organization's aim and who are your members? Yeah, so we are the industry body for UK fintech. Uh, we represent the entire fintech ecosystem, so from startups to scale-ups, as well as the large incumbent financial institutions that are looking to transform on a digital basis. And ultimately, it's our goal to really help support the next generation of technology-led innovators to make financial services more inclusive, more democratic, uh, and more transparent and fairer for all. So we are a membership association. We focus on a few key areas, one of those being policy and regulation. So we advocate very strongly for the fintech and the startup community. And we advocate to make sure that the UK retains its competitive advantage as a global leader in fintech. So making sure that we have the right environment here to help startups to base themselves, to scale and to grow uh, as well. And we also work on a couple of other specific areas, including partnerships, between startups and incumbents. We look at how we can increase diversity in the workplace for fintechs uh, and innovation financial services more broadly. We also look at national and international. So how can we connect and support the fintech national network in different hubs across the entire United Kingdom? And how can we help our startups as they scale abroad to other markets? And how can we attract other fintechs from different regional locations coming into the UK and work with players like DIT to support them as they grow and choose the UK as a destination of choice. So some really important work there. And and as I mentioned in my uh, introduction, you know, you took up um, the the role of CEO earlier this year. So so when you took on that role, having been chief operating officer, I believe, at Innovate Finance uh, before that, what were your plans for the organisation? Yeah, so it's really interesting because I've been with Innovate Finance actually um, just in the early days of our launch in 2014 and 2015. And it's been a phenomenal journey to see both the organization and the sector really mature. And so when I came on, took this position up at the helm of Innovate Finance, there were three key areas I wanted to make sure that we delivered on. And all of these were essentially referencing the feedback that we've received from our members and from the, uh, the fintech ecosystem here in the UK. So the first is about ensuring that fintech is seen as a key pillar for the UK's soft and hard power on a global basis. So as we look to recreate our uh, global identity in a post-Brexit, a post-COVID world, it's absolutely critical that we look to fintech as a key way for us to maintain that global leadership. But in order for us to do that, we need to make sure that we have the environment here that's conducive to support fintechs to grow and to scale. So helping to deliver on the Khalifa review recommendations, for example, 
example, which Innovate Finance served as the co-secretariat for that report, is core to a lot of the work that we're doing across all areas, looking at things like investment, capital, talent and skills. How do we create a domestic pipeline of skills for fintech, but also how do we ensure we have access to talent from around the world? Um, and then the second key focus area for me is around regulations specifically. So we are at a real, I would say, critical point for regulation. There's a huge focus on the fact that we need to ensure we protect the consumers, but we want to do this in a way that doesn't stifle innovation. Because at the end of the day, it is actually the consumers and the clients that benefit from these new players, from these alternative providers uh, that are creating a more democratic financial services space. So supporting the great work that the FCA has done, supporting the great work that the PRA has done, and continuing to provide them with information, with data, so that they can create and continue to foster um, really an effective uh, and and a light-touch policy and regulatory framework here in the UK. Uh, That's a second core priority for me. The third priority for me is about focusing on the positive fintech that fintech has on society more broadly. And that brings in the discussions around financial inclusion and financial wellness, but it also brings in the conversation uh, about the importance of fintech when we talk about our road to net zero and the journey towards a greener and more sustainable future, because there's a real key role that fintech has to play in that narrative as well. Some some really laudable aims there and, and also a very ambitious uh, vision for Innovate Finance. So uh, I, and I appreciate you're, you're only a few months into the role, but what have you been able to sort of implement so far or, or what's been your, your focus? Well, so we've had a really busy few months. Um, you'll have seen, obviously, the Khalifa Review recommendations that were delivered earlier this year. And we've been working with industry players, with regulators and with policymakers across the board to make sure that these are delivered on and executed on. Uh, we've launched our international scaling up series. We've had two programs, one focusing on Australia, one focusing on the United States to support our members as they expand internationally. We have fed into the framework for the FCA's scale box which was one of the recommendations from the Khalifa Review. And we've sourced uh, member feedback as to how to make that the most effective for the fintech community and the fintech ecosystem. Uh, We've also done a massive amount on the policy front in terms of advocating for different sectors. Uh, For SME lending, which has been a big focus for us since COVID, we've really tried to shine a light on the role that alternative providers, alternative lenders have played in supporting SMEs throughout the COVID period and how important it is that we can continue to support them going forward as well. Uh, We've also done quite a bit with regards to uh, different verticals in the fintech space and supporting fintechs as they look to scale and increase capital and investment. So you'll have seen we did a big report on uh, fintech investment into the UK for 2020 and for 2021, which I know we'll talk about in a few minutes. But we focused on continually trying to connect those startups and scale-ups with potential investors and really shine a light on why, why and how the UK is such a strong leader in this area. Yeah, you mentioned uh, fintech investment there. And um uh, I know that it, according to your data, $4.1 billion was invested into UK fintech in 2020. It looks like um, the sector is on track for that figure to, to grow this year. So why is it attracting so much investment, including some international funding? 
Yeah, well, we've actually even got a, a more up-to-date number because we just very recently released our report about half one spending on UK fintech, which noted that we received more than 5.7 billion US dollars into the UK fintech ecosystem in the first six months of 2021. This is unparalleled. It absolutely smashes the previous records. And it means we're on set to ultimately we've we've broken all the previous records just in the first six months of this year. So I think it's a real testament to the strength of the UK ecosystem. I think there are a few components as to why we have such a strong ecosystem here. The first is the fact we have a very proactive regulator. When we look at the FCA, when we look at the PRA, they have continually stood at the forefront, engaged with the community, made sure that they were enabling innovation to happen while still protecting the consumer. And this goes all the way back to when you think about the uh, the initial rounds of the sandboxes in, in 2015, 2016, which has now been replicated by over, I think, 50 countries around the world. But it also comes today to look at the scale box and the regulatory nursery that have just been launched by the FCA as well. Um, we know, for example, the PRA has a crypto joint task force with HMT to explore how they can best engage with these new technologies. So that willingness and that effort to sit at the forefront of innovation is quite key and is one of the key reasons we have such a strong hub here. Um, I also think in the similar vein, the fact that the government is really committed to supporting this ecosystem is incredibly important as well. And I think it's unparalleled anywhere else in the world. The Chancellor has given such a strong commitment and endorsement of the Khalif Review, has showcased their commitment to ensuring that those recommendations are delivered. And you see it as high up as number 10 and even from the Prime Minister in terms of a recognition that this is a critical sector for the UK economy and for individuals across the entire United Kingdom to make financial services more democratic. So that goes a long way uh, in terms of making us such a hub. In addition to that, we know that London is a huge hub for international and diverse talent from around the world. Uh, we are in obviously a post-Brexit environment, but the announcements last year around the scale-up visa were very, very welcomed by the ecosystem because it means we can continue to draw talent from all over the world. Uh, we did a report in 20, 2018, I believe it was, which estimated that around 46% of the UK fintech ecosystem comes from outside of the UK. So that diversity in thinking goes a long way to ensuring uh, innovation and ensuring the, the power of the hub here as well. Now, we also, being in the UK, have quite a number of hubs. So London is an amazing hub, but we have grace centers across the entirety of the United Kingdom. So from Leeds to Manchester uh, to, to Birmingham to Scotland uh, and etc., there are all different locations that you can set up and scale and grow a company, which you won't really find elsewhere as well. So all of these pieces put together, the talent, the skills, the proactive regulation, um, the fact that we are such a hub for investment, as I mentioned, they really compile to make us a huge power when it comes to fintech. Yeah, and that, that figure just for the first six months of this year is, is really impressive. Um, now, uh, you know, you've, you've painted a really sort of in-depth picture there of, of how we've come to be such a thriving fintech marketplace in, in the UK. In fact, we're second only to the US in terms of um, sort of attracting uh, fintech investment. So, um, and we've obviously broken a lot of ground in, in the UK, and, and um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with our regulatory approach. But what, if anything, can we learn from the US? Do you think? So I think the US is interesting, and probably one of the areas we could learn from them is with regards to their risk appetite. Uh, 
Um, because when we think about a cultural approach to innovation, something we hear from members a lot when they're looking to scale, for example, is if they're pitching to a U.S. investor versus a U.K. investor, the U.S. investor will ask them, what are your ambitions for five, 10 years down the road? What's the biggest you can get? Whereas the UK investor will quite often ask them, how do you mitigate the risks? Uh, and so the mindset is slightly different. Uh, the concept that actually uh, a risk is a positive thing, especially when it comes to investment, is something that we can potentially bring over here into the UK. I think on, on other fronts, uh, making sure that we have an innovative approach that we look at focusing on the client is something that the UK does quite well and is actually something that the, the US could potentially look to uh, in addition. But I think the, the risk mindset, the risk appetite, the understanding that in order to succeed successfully innovate, quite often that means facing some risk and actually accepting some failures uh, is potentially an area we could we could approach uh, in a better way. Mm. Now, that's re- really interesting. That's a slightly different cultural um, attitude, I-, I guess. And what about elsewhere in the world? Uh, you know, we've, we've looked at the US, uh, we've said how, how sort of groundbreaking the UK is, but are there any other regional fintech markets that you look to for inspiration or that you consider to be sort of healthy and competitive? It's a really interesting question. And and obviously, we have some peers in Europe that are doing great things when it comes to innovation. Um, In terms of the investment into the UK, the 5.7 billion, that's actually more than the next five European countries behind us. So it's second to US, but also more than the next five European countries. So we are we are quite out front. I should also add that with regards to open banking, obviously, it's a huge reason and a huge example for the positive regulatory framework that we have in the UK and the opportunity for us to set out ahead. I think if you look to other markets, Singapore is a very interesting market, particularly with how they approach uh, research and development and the government funding and the support for that uh, and the incentivization to bring startups to their hub is very interesting. I also think Australia has done a fantastic job in terms of promoting their ecosystem abroad on an international basis and making sure that they support fintechs from a government level through down to the industry level as well. So those are two other two other uh, key areas I would suggest as well. Let's come back sort of to the UK then and, and what more needs to be done from a policy and a regulatory perspective to support UK fintech and also to encourage and promote competition and innovation. So we are really keen that all of the Khalifa review recommendations get delivered because it's fantastic to create a report. And the fact that the Chancellor um, Commission is called out for this report is reflective of how how interested the government is in supporting the sector. But now we need to make sure that the recommendations are actually delivered on. And we've seen some fantastic movement coming from government. We've seen some fantastic initiatives uh, and an appetite to deliver, for example, on the capital and investment recommendations. So looking at how we can revise some of our listing rules to make the UK a continued attractive hub to list your company and to expand here. I think that's one key area we need to look at. I think it's also interesting in terms of partnerships between institutions and startups. One of the recommendations was about exploring incentives that could help to foster some of those collaborations and partnerships. So that would be another area that we'd be quite keen to look at too. 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, we've obviously, um, uh, you know, made huge progress here in the UK, but there's always more to do, isn't there? And um, I, I want to come on to find out a bit more about some of your own kind of programs uh, within Innovate Finance, because I know um, that you've launched sort of programs helping to promote skills and talent, uh, one of which is women in fintech. So can you tell us more about that and, and what you hope to achieve with that program? Absolutely. I mean, we have a really phenomenal women in fintech program. Uh, we are incredibly passionate about ensuring diversity across the fintech sector. And there's a real opportunity here for us to increase the number of women that are working in the space. It's an agile, it's a flexible industry. It's a great opportunity for females that are looking to move ahead in their career and to bring some of their innovative ideas uh, in, in a less less stale work working place, so to speak. Uh, so we have a very active program that both supports and showcases female leaders that have already achieved quite a bit in their career, but it also supports those uh, individual female leaders that are just starting out uh, and progressing in their journey and their professional journey too. So we have a Women in FinTech Power List that we do every year, which identifies some of the great leaders and also those earlier in their journey that are really changing the ecosystem for the better and making an impact in their teams and their organizations and across the industry as well. Then we also have Women in FinTech Power Hour that we do every month or two, which showcases a female leader. And we talk and we get down to the core of how their journey has unfolded. So the challenges, the obstacles that they, they face getting up to their position, uh, and any advice that they can share with the early learners and the earlier ones uh, earlier in their career. Then we also have done quite a bit of work with um, FinTech Charter for All, which is about also increasing broader diversity in the workforce. Uh, and we've done a number of other initiatives looking at broadening out the diversity and just showcasing facing the the great work that females in this space have done. Yeah, that, it's uh, that's a great way to, to showcase the talent that's already in the industry. But I guess a way to hopefully, as you say, attract um, new talent, right, in, into this. And inspire industry. them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mentioned uh, at the very beginning about how you were one of the judges of this year's Open Banking Expo Awards. Um, so uh, obviously, without remarking on any sort of individual entries or, or winners, were you surprised by the standard of entries and the ingenuity on show? You know, I wasn't surprised because I knew we had such fantastic uh, companies, um, but I, I was nonetheless impressed because I think, you know, almost every single one of the, the competitors was just astonishing and the new products, new services really absolutely phenomenal and again inspiring and and very much looking to transform make financial services more equitable for all and it was a really positive experience to be part of as well and I was very impressed by all the applicants yeah I mean did you see quite a range of um of products that were were trying to achieve sort of different types of financial inclusion and uh, and that kind of thing were you, were you surprised at sort of the range of, of that kind of offering I think it was a really diverse range. I would also say that it's been incredibly interesting to see the impact that COVID has had, especially on products within open banking as well, but even more broadly in the financial services and the fintech space, because it's not only drawn this focus on the role that technology has in all of our lives, but particularly when it comes to financial services, but it's just broadened out a real, a real understanding of how important fintech is to financial inclusion, to financial wellness, to making sure that people have access to the right products at the right product at the right time in their lives. And I saw a real increase in that as well. And very, very creative solutions. Uh, so it was excellent. Janine, it's been fascinating to hear your plans for Innovate Finance 
and more about what makes the UK's fintech scene so exciting and competitive. Thanks so much for having me, Ellie. Thanks so much. Not only uh, thanks to Janine, but thank you also for listening. You'll find plenty of other episodes in this podcast series on openbankingexpo.com if you go to the on-demand section. And not only are there plenty of podcast episodes, but there's also TV episodes and live panels that you can watch back on demand. Goodbye for now.